Welcome to the Enable Me podcast series, where we bring together stroke survivors, health professionals and researchers, providing you with practical advice to enable you on your journey to reclaim your life after stroke. The advice given in this podcast is general in nature and you should discuss your own personal needs and circumstances with your healthcare professionals. You can join the conversation at enableme.org.au. This series is presented by Australia's Stroke Foundation, working to prevent, treat and beat stroke. One of the first podcasts we did on Enable Me was about the serious issue of the fear of having another stroke and how to deal with that anxiety. Now, we know that one thing you can do is try to improve your stroke risk factors, which are the things that make having a stroke more likely. Now, some of the common risk factors are things you can talk to your doctor about, like high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, cholesterol and atrial fibrillation or irregular heartbeat. But then there are the things that are part of a healthy life, like quitting smoking, avoiding alcohol and eating well and staying physically active. In this podcast, we'll talk about these risk factors and we'll look at a new website to help stroke survivors to eat well and move more. The website is called iRebound and it's part of the Enable Me family. Now, as usual, we will get some advice from one of the fabulous health professionals on StrokeLine, our registered nurse, Fee Camino. And we'll also be speaking to a couple of the people behind the new iRebound website. Shortly, we'll talk to researcher and physiotherapist Dina Pogrebnoy to share her perspective. But first, we have with us Meredith Burke, who is passionate about stroke survivors living their best lives and who also belongs to the club. She has worked with researchers the last four years to translate and educate them about the stroke experience so that projects like iRebound are accessible and get to the core of the issues. Meredith, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, how are you? Really good, thank you. Now, I do want to talk to you about the iRebound website, but first I kind of want to understand the need for it. Like, how important is it to stroke survivors to have help like this in preventing another stroke? I think it's really important because when you come out of the first part of your stroke um, and then you're let loose in the community, it's like, what do I do now? And it's a really hard time because you're trying to navigate what's going on with your body and how that affects your life. It's just another gentle tool in the background that you can use to help you uh, start your post-stroke life. So, like you said, you kind of released into the community without, I guess, knowing what's going on. So do you think that people aren't really given much information generally or haven't been given much information previously on preventing another stroke? No, I don't think so. Um, It's one of those things that, say, for example, in the public system, um, provided you can walk and you have some level of speech, you are let go back into the community. And, of course, there are resources that you are given now from the Stroke Foundation, but there's there's nothing to sort of literally guide you gently in different areas of your life. So I think that's where the iRebound website can um, fit in quite comfortably in that space. 
Okay, now this is where I might bring in one of um, Meredith's colleagues, uh, Dina Pogrebnoy, um, who I know has some thoughts on this issue as well. Uh, now, as I said earlier, Dina is a physiotherapist, a neurological physiotherapist, I believe. Is that correct? That is. Thanks, Chris. Now, Dina is currently doing her PhD at the University of Newcastle, and preventing further strokes is part of her research. Uh, Dina, how serious is this lack of support for preventing stroke? Yeah, Chris, I think it, it really is um, a problem for survivors of stroke who find themselves in hospital with a life-changing event and uh, they do get some of their independence back, as Meredith spoke. Often um, there's a focus on getting people walking again and a focus on getting them living independently or as best as possible and then they're sent home. We were hoping to achieve with iRebound is to create resources that uh, feature stroke survivors so other stroke survivors can relate to them and that was that's been the real focus on making sure that this resource is fit for purpose it it really does talk to the end user um, in the best possible way great and by just clarifying that by secondary prevention that is a term meaning preventing a second stroke really isn't it essentially what we know from um, research in the past is that stroke is for people that have had a stroke they are at a greater risk of having another stroke and what we also know is that the um, there is an opportunity to influence that so so people who've had a stroke do have an opportunity to reduce some of the the risk factors which are what we call modifiable so you can change those and the two highest um, modifiable risk factors are inactivity and uh, a poor diet, which is why we're focused on those two areas with the iRebound website in that hoping to help uh, survivors of stroke, um, give them as much chance, I suppose, uh, as possible to have access to resources that will uh, allow them to, to make positive lifestyle choices and changes to help reduce the risk of another stroke. Great. Now, um, just before we get into the detail of the website, I just want to check with um, our third guest, um, because I'm sure these, these are issues that come up when people call into Stroke Line as well. So I mentioned in the introduction we have with us today, Fee Camino, who is a registered nurse of 12 years standing, specialising in neurology, and she is now one of the health professionals that you can talk to on Stroke Line. Um, Fee, what are the needs, I guess, the, the questions and concern that you hear from people who call into Stroke Line? Yeah, so, um, hi, Chris. As um, Meredith mentioned earlier, we, we do very often hear on Stroke Line about concerns relating to how they how people can prevent um, having another stroke um, and how they can work best with um, their families and with their health professionals as to mitigating those risk factors. We, we also um, often hear questions like, do you think my stress levels may have contributed towards my stroke or I'm going through a stressful time and, and I'm worried this will increase my stroke risk. And um, while, you know, we, we often do tell them that while stress hasn't been proven to be directly related to stroke, we do know that it can affect other things that are considered risk factors for stroke, such as it can raise blood pressure, um, as what Dina mentioned earlier, you know, lack um, having high levels of stress can lead to unhealthy eating or inactivity or a lack of exercise. So it's also paramount um, to manage stress in a way that that works for them. And I guess the the anxiety about another stroke is part of that thing causing them the stress as well. 
Yes. And during those conversations that we have with them, we talk about managing that anxiety and focusing on what they can do to mitigate and manage the risk factors to prevent another stroke, but also enhance and enrich their life. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a, a beautiful way to lead into talking about what people can do to um, to manage those risk factors. And which is, I guess, the thing we want to focus on is um, eating well and moving more with the help of something like the I rebound website. Uh, Meredith and Dina, I don't know who wants to go first. Can you tell us a bit about uh, about I rebound and and what it does first of all? Meredith, do you want to take this one first? Um, okay, I rebound. What is it? It's a website. What it does is empower stroke survivors to make decisions in their power to um, for their health for the rest of their life. So it's a website that's easy to get around. And we talk about how to move our bodies more and types of things that we can um, eat to help our health as well. So I suppose Gina will talk about what we call the Mediterranean diet, which for strokies, I'll explain in a different kind of way that it's around the Mediterranean Sea and there's places like Greece and Italy and Spain, it helps you really uh, reduce your risk factors for stroke, but it, it it's better for your quality of life post-stroke because it's important our quality of life. And to do lots of things in post-stroke, we need to eat well and move more. And that's sort of a springboard into other things you're wanting to do in your life. So when you talk about how the website has uh, information about eating well and moving more, it's not just talking about the diet and what you need to do, is it? It's actually giving you like actual practical information like recipes and instructions, isn't it? Yes, totally. So um, there's videos of stroke survivors moving their bodies. There's videos of of stroke survivors talking about the kinds of foods. So basically the content is come from uh, researchers, but then us as stroke survivors, we have um, put it on the website in a way that we can relate to easier. Fantastic. I might go across to Dina now and ask her some information on, I guess, the research side of this. Um, so Meredith has talked about uh, the Mediterranean diet there and how there is evidence that it is benefit for your, beneficial for your risk factors. What is the Mediterranean diet apart from just a geographical location? Thanks, Chris. And I'll... I'll add to what Meredith has said. Um, so the Mediterranean diet that's recommended after stroke is really not a, a diet where you sort of follow one day and then and then you're done. It, it's actually a, a way of eating and it's an eating pattern rather than a diet as such. So there's certain things that within the Mediterranean diet pattern that you should be eating on a daily basis and there are certain things that you should be eating on a weekly basis. And that's all very 
clearly outlined on the website. And the reason for that is we're trying um, – so, so the Mediterranean diet is really not about removing things out of your diet. It's just about getting the right nutrients into your body to live your best life. So, for instance, things like fruits and vegetables and um, healthy things like that are recommended to be eaten daily. And then there's things like maybe um, meats, more white meat than red meat, um, are recommended to be eaten less frequently. So there's no real hard and fast rules about what you can't eat, but there are things you should eat. So things like olive oil is really important in the Mediterranean diet pattern. And there's some wonderful suggestions on the website about how you can increase um, the amounts of olive oil that you are able to put into your meals. So what this website will do is it will help people who go on there to try and stick to the Mediterranean diet pattern uh, easier. And there's there's things like checklists so you can tick off things as you've um, consumed them throughout the week and then you can sort of try and plan your meals um, uh, around what you have and haven't been able to consume throughout the week. There's also um, meal planners, there's shopping lists. So there's all sorts of examples on the website that will help uh, the user to, uh, to try and stick to this diet pattern as best as possible. Great. And does the same apply to the the exercise section? Like, is that, again, based on uh, research and evidence-based recommendations? Absolutely. So the, the exercise or the moving more section, um, so we know that people after stroke are recommended to exercise roughly um, for 30 minutes at moderate intensity on most days of the week. So what we um, are hoping that people will uh, find useful on the website is there's actual full exercise routines that... Uh, you can follow along too. So you don't have to um, create an exercise routine yourself. You can find somebody who has a similar level of function to you and you can just follow along. You can chop and change bits of the exercise uh, routines if you want. If you're wanting to combine different shorter routines together, you can do that as well. And what we've done is we, um, we've been really conscious of making sure that the exercise routines are performed by stroke survivors. So there's no um, physio standing in front of the camera showing you what to do. You, you have the opportunity to, to have a look at another stroke survivor during the exercise that we're asking them to do. Okay. And so uh, I guess, you know, as a question then for Meredith, really, how important do you think that is that... Um I guess everything is is um, checked and validated by stroke survivors because I understand it's fairly easy to say everyone should get 30 minutes exercise per day, but people, you know, even if they haven't had a stroke, will find all kinds of obstacles to, to doing that. Um, you know, do you think this website addresses the challenges that people face and gives them the tools to get around it? Um, absolutely. Um as Gina said, the the people who are doing the exercise exercises on the website are at different levels um, post stroke. So we're trying to design it so they're relatable to different kinds of stroke survivors out there in the community to try and um, empower someone to go, oh, I can do that. They're a bit like me, or oh, I should be able to do that. So it's just that motivating thing that go, oh, I can do things that are good for me. So it's that kind of motivation that I think is really important. 
And if I can add to that, Meredith, as well, I think one of the things that you'll find on the website is not only the exercise videos, but there are also in the hints and hacks section, which is probably my favorite section, um, in there, there's various videos on other stroke survivors sharing their tips about how to incorporate exercise into daily life as well. So exercise doesn't need to be necessarily, uh, you know, your your squats or whatever you might be doing. Um, It it can be vacuuming or it can be um, doing some stuff around the kitchen. Like really what we're trying to achieve is for survivors of stroke to have um, access to some sort of movement. And if that movement adds up across the day to 30 minutes, then they would be meeting their recommended physical activity targets for the day. So there's all sorts of um, different tips on there to help survivors of stroke engage in activity that's meaningful to them and therefore hopefully sustainable. Okay, yeah, I did want to ask you about the, the hints and hacks section because I've had a look at the website and there's like, there's, you know, when you first glance, there's a recipe section, there's the the exercise videos section, and then there is this, I guess, very comprehensive hints and hacks. And so what else is in there? What can people find in that? Oh, I, I love this section. Um, I, I think it, it's been a combination of uh, lots of stroke survivors uh, who've been involved in this project, sharing what works for them to do with physical activity, but also things like um, fatigue and energy conservation. And how how do you um, get back to activity when you're now in a wheelchair? And what sort of things can you do when you're in a wheelchair? As an example, there's, there's a video there about um, going hot air ballooning when you're in the wheelchair like you'll find all sorts of uh, amazing things on there that um, you probably will never have thought of yourself but if somebody else has shared it with you it makes it so much more uh, inspiring to to try something that perhaps you haven't thought of trying yourself you got any thoughts on that Meredith yeah I it's really it's a great little section and there's lots of different bits and pieces in there so for stroke survivors out there I would just suggest to just click around on the videos. Um, It mightn't be what you think and it might ignite some sort of, oh, I can do that too. And um, even there's tips for tricks for one-handed cooks as well. Um, And, of course, fatigue, we cover that quite a lot. So, um, Yes, it's just a, a an Aladdin's cave of information in there. A, a Pandora's box. Um, you just made me think, Meredith. The some of the things to do with fatigue. So we don't only talk about fatigue, but there's some practical tips around when you're feeling tired. What are some of the things you might have in your pantry, as an example, that you can um, whip together a a fairly simple meal that's still in keeping with the Mediterranean diet pattern. So it's things like that. They're, they're not just suggestions. They're actually practical tips to help someone at every stage um, and every potential complication relating to their stroke. Fantastic. Now, um, I do want to change tack a little bit now slightly um, because obviously iRebound is really is covering these uh, some of these major modifiable, like you said, lifestyle risk factors. I think I'm getting the terminology right there. <laughs> um, but obviously there are a lot of other important risk factors as well. And I know that, for instance, high blood pressure is one that the Stroke Foundation often focuses on. I guess I want to just check with, um, with Fee, um, you know, what are the other kind of important risk factors that people need to be aware of and uh, address? 
yes, Chris. So as you mentioned, high blood pressure is one of those um, very common culprits for strokes. So it's important to know what normal blood pressure is, um, ideally around 120 over 80. But um, that can be individualized. So it's important to speak to your doctor or your GP about what your normal blood pressure would be. Um, I often tell um, patients and or stroke survivors who call on stroke line that they can help control their blood pressure by adhering to the medications that are prescribed to them and, and even monitoring it at home to help their doctor work out the best regimen for them because it can be quite tricky controlling it. Um, another one is um, that you've touched on briefly earlier was atrial fibrillation. So keeping that rhythm in control through taking um, medications as prescribed. And another big one is type 2 diabetes, which ties in nicely with having a healthy, balanced diet, but also making sure um, to see the GP regularly or a diabetes educator um, to ensure that their blood glucose is, is well managed and well controlled. And um, another one that ties um, very closely to diet as well is high cholesterol. And it's important to that people know their, their cholesterol numbers. Um, so in the stroke clinical guidelines, I think recommends keeping the bad cholesterol to um, less than 1.8 to be precise. And, and for some people diet alone isn't enough to lower cholesterol. So they may need to take medication and monitor their cholesterol levels quite regularly. Fantastic. Thanks, Fee. Um, yeah, some, some good messages there. And absolutely, there's often for many of these risk factors, you do need to take additional medication. But we, yeah, as you said, we know that um, particularly with things like, you know, cholesterol and type 2 diabetes are very much influenced by, by diet, I guess. Um, mm. Dina, how about like the big one, high blood pressure? Is that something that the, the, um, the resources, the recommendations on a website like iRebound can help with as well? Absolutely, Chris. And the exciting news is within our research group, uh, we've conducted a, um, a telehealth trial, both the, um, the diet and the physical activity aspect. And the early results indicate that, in fact, if you are engaging in the right level of activity and eating or sticking to a Mediterranean diet pattern, that is um, something that can help lower blood pressure, improve levels of cholesterol and, um, and generally improve the other risk factors. So we do have some preliminary evidence that suggests that um, adhering to recommendations on the iRebound website will in fact help reduce those risk factors. Great, which is not, again, not to say that you shouldn't stop taking your medication. But Abs yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And we, we would never replace medical advice. I think the, the important thing to note is using the iRebound website to help you move more and eat well is an, is an additional part to receiving um, appropriate medical care from your health professional. And certainly if medication is recommended, um, you, by all means, uh, you know, the, the user of the website should be doing that. But, um, but they could challenge the, the norm and, and see what happens when they exercise and eat well and see whether they get natural um, improvement, which is uh, an added bonus. Great. It's also good to hear how this is all fitting in with the other research you've been doing, which um, I guess is something that I wanted to uh, ask about as well, something that 
um, this is this is the Iribet has come out of a research project and it's come out of a particular, I guess, approach to a research project. Um, you've talked about um, the input from stroke survivors, people with lived experience to it as sort of a co-design, I believe it's called. Yes. Like, I, I do want to talk to both you and Meredith about what that process is like and, and what it's been like be, to be part of that. Um, Meredith, you've already talked about it a bit, but can you expand a bit more of what the you think the co-design process and having the different kinds of voices involved what does that actually mean and what does it bring to a project like this well the co-design process is basically all it means is that there's researchers and stroke survivors and in this research we're involved from the very start which is really uh, exciting because we actually get to put our stamp on it from the start. In traditional research, they potentially only ask us questions and things near the end. And then we don't actually get some meaningful input into it. But with this one, we had a team of us, there was uh, six of us on a committee, and we worked with Dina from day one. And um, what is important is there was a, a, a real mutual respect between the researchers and us and that we're on the, the same level as them. So there was no hierarchy that, you know, the researchers are telling us what to do. Um, it was all just, well, smooth sailing, Dina, really. Very kind, Meredith. But, yeah, because of that mutual respect. And how did you find the process, Dina? Um, yeah, look, it's it's been a really rewarding part of the process for me. Uh, I think I, I came onto the project when um, there was already wheels in motion uh, in some ways. And I think what's been a really interesting and rewarding part for me is making sure that this uh, website or this resource bank is really fit for purpose. Um, and I think if we hadn't involved stroke survivors from the beginning, there's, um, there's no guarantees that it would have been a, a resource that's meaningful to the intended user. So having Meredith and the team behind this project from the beginning, I think has been the the secret source to making sure that we deliver a product that really means something to survivors of stroke. And that's who we want to tap into. We want people going home after hospital feeling like they've got something to turn to and they've got support available to them, which hasn't been um, around. There, there really isn't anything like iRebound out there to the best of our knowledge. So we're pretty proud of what it is and hopefully what it will do. And do you think that this is something that you'd like to see, I guess, every project uh, having you know, having some sort of using co-design in this way, using uh, lived experience in this in this fashion? Yeah, absolutely. And look, what we probably haven't touched on is the iRebound website not only had a co-design element of the content, but also in the early phases of the project, we went through quite a comprehensive phase of the design of the website and making sure that it's accessible to survivors of stroke with different um, levels of ability. So we actually involved quite a lot of stroke survivors in making sure that the navigation, the usability of the website was appropriate for somebody after stroke. Because 
because there's no point creating something that looks pretty and is um, maybe even the content is really relevant and evidence-based, but if it's not something that's accessible to stroke survivors, then we probably haven't hit the brief. So, um, so this project has been very well considered in terms of making sure that um, every survivor of stroke, hopefully every survivor of stroke who finds their way to the website will feel like uh, it's easy to use, uh, it reflects something that's interesting and appropriate for them, and they'd like to come back to it. Great. And Meredith, um, certainly, you know, you talked about how you're passionate about making sure that projects like these are accessible and they do meet the needs of stroke survivors. What else do you get out of it as, I guess, a personal benefit? Do you find it rewarding to be involved in these kind of things? Um, Yes, I do find it really, really rewarding. Um, Just because, well, um, moving more and eating well are two of my passions. So um, to combine that with researchers and to help educate them about what what we're like after stroke and then seeing that um, morph into, you know, 18 months of work to come out to this website is, is really, it is really rewarding. So how do people get involved in, in research like this um, if they are someone with lived experience? It just depends on where you live, to be honest, and how passionate and interested you are. But I suppose you could rep- um, ask potentially the hospital where you are and maybe they'd be able to put you um, into, well, contact with some other researchers. Okay. I guess people can also talk to the Stroke Foundation, can they, Fee? Absolutely. Um, So we often do speak to survivors of stroke on Stroke Line um, who are interested in trying out different avenues such as and being involved in research as well. in that conversation, we try and um, see what they want out of it. What specific kind of um, aspect of stroke do they want to to try and achieve? Whether that's rehab or fatigue management or um, exercise, and we try and help point them in the in the right direction and um, link them up to research organisations that they can get in touch with and see if if they'd be eligible to participate or or contribute to, yeah. Great. Now, um, this is a this is a fantastic resource that that you all have developed, and you know we have I talked about a lot, but what is on and what it does. But uh, yeah, we do have to acknowledge it is part of a research project. It will it will maintain into the future. It's not going to end at some point. I understand is that right, Dina? No, that's right. So and that's really um, the benefit of having a really strong partnership between our research team and the Stroke Foundation, and they've been super supportive of this work um, from the get go. So it was always intended that I rebound would live on the Stroke Foundation website under the Enable Me umbrella and it will continue to live there um, well beyond the research as a resource that um, can be used by anybody um, within Australia no matter where they live um, at a time that's convenient to them at a place that's convenient to them. Um, we suspect uh, our friendly neighbours from other countries may well tap into it as well but um, but the intention has always been to provide survivors of stroke living in Australia with a resource that's fit for purpose. Great. But it is also part of your um, PhD project, as we discussed. Um, what are, from the research point of view, what are you hoping to get out of it? Like, what are you, what are the hoping to learn from it? 
Yeah, um, it is part of my PhD project and it's been the sort of the, the big project um, of the program. But I guess for me, what I'm hoping is to be able to evaluate um, over time whether people are using the resource and which parts of the uh, website are being used by survivors of stroke. Um, but also what we're hoping to do is over time is to grow um, the the number of um, resources that are available on the website. We're also hoping to encourage um, a more diverse uh, representation within the website and that's a bit of a pipeline dream um, but you know to touch on the point you touched on before in terms of being involved in research it's it's really important for us to have um, stroke survivors from different cultural backgrounds um, different ages different levels of abilities um, uh, come forward and 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 want to be involved in these projects because ultimately the aim is to try and represent as a diverse a group as possible um, and we can only do that if we have um, access to lived, lived experience from a diverse group of stroke survivors. Great. Uh, Meredith, um, we're nearly at the end of this podcast. Do you have any uh, sort of final advice that you would, you would want to give to people? Um, a lot of times after stroke, there's so many um, different rules placed on us um, about our body and our movement and what we can achieve in life. And I think... Um, this website can help you um, open up opportunities and potentially reopen things that you've enjoyed pre-stroke, like cooking, um, to show that you can do it after stroke and you can move your body. Um, It's just potentially in a different way. So um, I think uh, for people just to get on the website, a look, have some fun and enjoy it. Great. Andina, any other last words from yourself? I just love when when Meredith talks about the website and what it means to her because that you know it, it it's it's like the honey on top of a cake for me. Um, uh, for me, it's it's always been about creating something that's fit for purpose. And what's been really rewarding is the more people I talk to, um, the, the message is consistent. People love that it's positive. The website is about what you can do, not what you can't do. Uh, it's It features stroke survivors, stroke survivors sharing their experience, whether, as Meredith said, whether it's about one hand cooking or whether it's about how they've incorporated activity into daily life. Uh, for me, it's been a really rewarding project to be part of. And, and I'm hoping that uh, once uh, people come across the website, they will see something on there that um, is relevant uh, and they enjoy using it. And um, and hopefully it increases value to their lives because that's ultimately why uh, we did it. Great. Um, now we do like to wrap up with some, I guess, some words from Stroke Line. Um, Fee, can you give us, I guess, just some a quick summary, some top tips for um, preventing another stroke? So um, I I think the fear and the anxiety about having another stroke is is real, but so is the the fact that 80% of strokes can be prevented. And um, it is never too late to start thinking about stroke prevention. And part of recovery and rehabilitation, it's it's good to surround yourself with a team of, of people who can support you in, in, the, in your stroke journey and stroke prevention as well. Um, so, and focusing on what you can control um, as well, it's, it's a really, good one um, and there are ways to get help so do reach out to stroke line and speak 
with one of um, health professionals like me to get advice and support that is that is right for you. Fantastic. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Fia. Thank you, all of you. Um, now, if you do want this information on eating well and moving more, that is on the new um, iRebound website. It is part of the Enable Me family. You can find it by going to iRebound.enableMe.org.au. That is I-R-E-B-O-U-N-D. Or if you just go to the Enable Me homepage, there is a link on there. It is on the, the left-hand side. Um you can probably Google iRebound as well. I'm not sure whether it's showing up on Google yet. It is a very new website as we as we speak in recording this. <laughs> um, if you do want to speak to a health professional like Fee for some additional advice, you can, of course, call Stroke Line on 1-800-787-653. That is 1-800-STROKE if you um, want to use the, the letters on your phone keypad. Or you can just ask a question through Enable Me and get a response from health professionals and other stroke survivors. Now, if you do like what you've heard today on this podcast, please, uh, we'd appreciate you giving us a good rating and review on your podcast app because that helps us up in the search rankings and other people can find the podcast. But look, I would like once again to thank all our guests, uh, Meredith Burke, Dina Pogrebnoy and Fee Camino. That's all for today's Enable Me podcast. You can find out more on this topic and continue the conversation or listen to other podcasts in the series at enableme.org.au. It's free to sign up and you can talk with thousands of other stroke survivors, carers and supporters. You can also suggest a topic or provide feedback on this podcast. Enable Me has qualified health professionals from StrokeLine who can answer your questions and give evidence-based advice. The advice given here is general in nature and you should discuss your own personal needs and circumstances with your healthcare professionals. Music in this podcast is signed by stroke survivor Antonio Ianella and his band The Lion Tamers. It's recorded at Antonio's studio, which you can find out more about at facebook.com slash studio 4FOUR99. That's F-O-U-R-99. This Enable Me podcast series is produced by the Stroke Foundation in Australia, working to prevent, treat and beat stroke. See strokefoundation.org.au. This podcast was produced in collaboration with Joy, Australia's rainbow community media organisation. For more information on Joy and our services, visit joy.org.au. That's joy.org.au.